We speak with John Tucker, the independent member for Lions of Tasmania, about politics, the attacks on antiques, a better approach to gun laws, and other matters we want the Tasmanian government to fix for shooters. What do you mean, an African or European swallow? I, I don't know that. Who do you know so much about swallows? Well, you have to know these things when you're a king, you know. Welcome to the Go News of Australia podcast. It's the podcast for Australian shooters. You just want the political interference taking out of shooting. I've got John Tucker, member for Lions in Tasmania with me. How are you doing, John? Very well, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having talked to me today. No, no problem. So the, lion, the election of Lions covers what area in Tasmania? Oh, it's basically, I'd nearly say, two-thirds of the states in Lions. We cover most of the area. We've got all the rural regional area, very sparsely populated people and a lot of, lot of distance to cover. Yep. Yeah. You, you were elected to the Tasmanian Parliament in 2019. That's correct. And you've got, I think, quite a, um, a rich sort of, of farming background? Oh, also, also political background in a way. Um, you yeah, know, there's been a, one or two politicians back in the background, but it's mainly a farming history. Um, yeah, we've started off at Winalier, um, and I think we're, I think I'm the sixth generation of my kids are the seventh generation. Don't hold me to that. Might be, they might be the eighth generation, I might be the seventh in the northeast of Tasmania. But basically we've been farmers, yeah, for a long time. Yeah. And you, you spoke about that in your, uh, inaugural speech in Parliament when you were elected. Um, it was quite a, uh, quite a rich, um, quite a rich uh, history in the family there. Yeah, no, there's a fair bit of history there with the farming, um, especially with the fattening up through Winlear and then my grandfather was involved with sawmilling as well and boat building, um, even building houses, even down to the local laundromat. Um, he was very entrepreneurial in what he did. Um, yeah, he, he sort of had a pretty colourful history. Um, yeah, but the Tuckers have been fairly forefront and also the Buttons, as I mentioned. Um, if they were involved, he was actually the first Lord Mayor of um, Launceston and then went on to the Legislative Council. Um, yeah, and on my mother's side, there was a hope that was um, also a politician there as well. Yeah. Hey Shooters, we just want to thank you for your support for Gun News Australia. If you're enjoying the show and want to help us continue with great podcasts, why not consider a donation or become a subscriber? You can do both at politicsreloaded.com. Now, in terms of your uh, familiarity with shooting and the shooting community, uh, can you just give us a bit of a rundown on what your exposure there has been? Um, well, I'll be, I've got a gun licence, I've got A, B and C gun licences. Um, I've been a shooter all my life. I went through the process with Port Arthur when everyone had to get a gun licence. Um, so I've been through all of that myself. Um, yeah, so I'm not an active shooter now as much as what I was when I was younger. Um, but yeah, no, I, I understand with the, um, how do you say, shooting fraternity, um, what actually goes on and the issues that I see going forward, yeah. It's always difficult to raise the issue of um, gun laws in Tasmania with, with government. They, as you know, they're still very, very, very shy about even talking about 
about it or seem to be. Um, I think in my experience has been that um, they didn't really want to do or say anything that was going to bring some of the uh, more familiar names uh, opposed to what we do out of the woodwork, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 something that's sort of swept under the carpet in a way is what you're saying, and I'd have to agree with you there. But the other thing that I would say to you that really annoys me is that the honest citizen, honest gun owner, um, is treated very, very poorly in my opinion. Um, they're the ones that, they, that suffer the consequences if a gun is stolen, oh, well, you haven't stored it properly. Well, what about the person that broke into my house and actually stole the gun in the first place? That's where I see the problems yeah. are, in my opinion, and that's where I think that instead of us looking at the um, victims and blaming them, we need to be looking at the perpetrators. Yeah. And look, I think over time there's been a bit of a collection of, of matters that have come up that are, I think, uh, unique to Tasmania that have never been addressed, that are, um, are problems for shooters there uh, and actually don't, aren't really replicated on the, on, on the mainland. And one of those, the first one which I referred to was uh, there was correspondence between a, um, a person who, who we both know, who I mentioned prior to this, uh, this, in this interview, who was making representations to the government when Peter Goodwin was, was, was Premier. And that is about the ability of school groups to um, engage in organised shooting activities. We're talking here largely about shotgun events. Um, we have, uh, I know around in other states, there are plenty of organised events involving school groups, obviously under controlled conditions, right conditions, um, and they've enjoyed it, but, it, it, but the Tasmanian government just simply didn't want to touch that. Is that, is that an issue or something that you've, you've, you've come across at your end? Yeah, I was on the um, firearms committee in the government when I first came into parliament. Um, and it was quite interesting um, talking on that because I remember this exact discussion was brought up to the firearms committee around the age of gun owners and getting a license and using a firearm and my, well, my opinion on this is that you need to educate kids at a young age around firearms to get them to use them properly. It's when you allow people to get guns at an older age that I see that you have more issues. Then when, you, when you're younger, and I still remember my father when I was being trained around firearms, if I did the wrong thing, you know what was coming up to your backside um, and you never forget it and you remember so that you always, you know, you do the right thing when you're handling a gun. And I'm a strong supporter of educating kids at a young age around firearms. And I don't, I see them as a tool, tool of trade. Um, yep, you, I do I do also will say this, that you do need to have some um, laws around firearm ownership. And with certain people that do do the wrong thing, yep, they need the full force of law thrown at them. But the honest firearm owner doing the right thing, yeah, I think that we need to be looking at our firearms to make things easier for them to do what they need to do with them. Mm. I mean, there's the the issue about dealing with people who do the wrong thing and, and laws and things like that, but there's also, the, I guess, the positive side of the coin too, where 
uh, you know, these kids are really just having an opportunity to engage in it, at least just dabble with a sport that where they can excel and go on. And it just seems that the Tasmanian government it just won't open that door. Yeah, well, that is an issue as well. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's giving giving kids those experiences in life um, so that they can make decisions for themselves. Whereas you take those decisions away from those children. Um, and don't give them that opportunity to experience the use of firearm and doing those sort of things. Um, I think it's a great shame. And the other thing I'll say to you, when people start talking to me about this sort of stuff, I always think of Kokoda. And I think of those 400 rural boys holding back 6,000 Japanese soldiers. And the only reason they could do it was because they knew how to use the firearm. They knew how to ambush people. Um, yeah, probably not the right thing to say with the gun laws and that sort of thing. But when you look back on history, it saved Australia. They would have been the, if we didn't have those four hundred rural boys, they would have been straight down through Papua New Guinea and into the top end of Australia. We would have been in a problem, mm. wouldn't we? Um, so kids being taught at a young age that sort of thing and how to use a firearm, I think it's a great asset. Yeah. The second item which I've got on the list here is appeal rights because when a shooter has an issue with the registry uh, they're usually given a bit of a blurb at the bottom of the letter uh, which says that you've got the right to uh, seek internal review or appeal or whatever. In Tasmania uh, unlike mainland you can't take a after internal review uh, you can't take a decision to TASCAT the Civil Admin Tribunal uh, whereas you can do that in the, in the equivalent forums on the mainland. In fact, a couple of other states, um, Victoria and Northern Territory, have effectively an, an, a dedicated tribunal to deal with firearm matters, whereas in Tasmania you've got to go to a magistrate's court. Uh, and that seems to be quite a big leap uh, for shooters who might just be having a regulatory, you know, want to appeal a regulatory decision. Yeah, our, our firearm laws need to be of a national standard. Um, it's, it, I'd say it goes further than just this one issue. Um, with these things, there's a lot of discrepancies between states and moving um, firearms between states and all that sort of thing comes into it as well. But we need, how do you say, a national um, law across the lot so that everyone is streamlined. Yeah, I'd agree with you totally. It's called the National Firearms Agreement. I actually refer to it as the National Firearms Disagreement um, because you've actually got you've, you've got some states that are doing things that are just way out of step with, with the agreement. Sure, the headline items having firearm licences and then categories, they're in place, but then there's a whole raft. I mean, it's like having a house that looks great on the top, but the foundation's rotten. Um, because you've got Western Australia doing its own thing. You've got, I mean, Tasmania doesn't have, um, uh, I don't think it's in the NFA, but they haven't got, you know, there's no consistency in, in some of these fairly important aspects affecting shooters, and we just keep banging our heads trying to understand, A, yeah. get around the narrative that there's, there's national uniform gun laws, we don't, but B, to try to get some, some traction on some of these other matters, and we can't get that given either. Yeah. This episode of Gun News Australia is brought to you by Politics Reloaded. Make sure you follow our podcast or simply join our email list at politicsreloaded.com.
No, I, I agree with what you're saying there. It needs to be streamlined and have it national across the board so that you can, um, yeah, like I said, so you can move get firearms from one state to the other and you know what the rules are in Tasmania are the same in Victoria or the same in New South Wales or the same in Queensland. Um, and when you move between the states, that's when you really find the problems. Um, yeah. It's nothing like a car licence. It's um, we've got uniformity in name only. Yeah, and the, you know the other thing is, like I said to you at the start, like the honest gun or firearm owner, um, ninety-nine percent of people do the right thing. We're talking about one percent of people that do the wrong and thing. Why should the rest of us be punished for the one percent? Why not concentrate on the ones that are doing the wrong thing and punish them properly? Yeah, we, we, we know that and we say that and then it just falls into fears because, I mean, yeah. one of the, the things which I which I am also pushing is, is changing the narrative that the government, I mean, I don't think I'm going to achieve it, but um, the government changed the narrative. If it wants to comment on gun laws and do something, okay, that's one thing, but the narrative around it's important to get the context right and the context is always about, you know, criminals and guns and criminals and guns and criminals and guns with very little recognition of anything else. Yeah, and that that sets a frame for that frames the discussion for everything that happens after that, which which is not not correct and not fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, there's one other issue here, which uh, and again, this comes from somebody uh, who who I mentioned uh, beforehand, and she uses the word re-establishment. What one thing that she'd like to see is the re-establishment of a farms consultative committee to work with government and police and other stakeholders to discuss what's working and not to achieve the best outcomes. Um, the Farms Consultative Committee, you've, you've, have you had one before and has it worked? I, I, I've, I haven't been involved with one myself personally and I haven't heard of one being used um, in my time yeah. in Parliament at all. Um, it, so, it, yeah, sorry. That's right, it might be that um, the, the the wording is picking up on relative to other states. I'm not sure, but certainly, I think the uh, the, the suggestion is that Tasmania should have a farms consultative committee, which is a consultation forum um, that includes your major shooting organisations and even um, it picks up maybe you know, other interest groups such as police association and others who might have an interest in, in this. Yeah, so they can have those that dialogue with government. Yeah. I, th I think I, I strongly believe in this. We've across a lot of different um, industries, a lot of different groups, that we should have um, these discussions going on so that we can get information because communication is key in getting that to um, all these things to come together and that information to flow through what we need to do um, to make so that it, this all comes back, like I said to you earlier, um, to the honest firearm owner does the right thing. It's only a small percentage that do the wrong thing. And why are we punishing all the time the honest firearm owner with these things? And this is, again, like you're saying, we get all these people in the room. We can have these discussions, bring out what the issues are, try and work through those issues to get the right balance with our firearm laws so that we do have, so we don't get like what happens in America. We don't need that sort of thing. I'd agree totally on that. Um, but 
people have to be able to um, be able to use their firearms for sport. They have to be able to use their firearms for their tools of trade. And me as a yeah. farmer, I know like if I didn't have my gun license and didn't have my firearms, I'd be in a hell of a lot of pain with animal welfare issues. Um, yeah, so I fully understand why people need, and I see these problems. Um, yeah, that need to be fixed and make life easier for people. Well, to give you an idea of how far back we are from the, even the starting line to, to get, have a fair race here, uh, you, we were talking again before this interview about antique collectors being hit with uh, a change of policy from the, not even the Tasmanian government, it's really from Tasmanian police who had the ability to protect collectors, uh, you know, from licensing and registration requirements delegated to them, which is extraordinary because, uh, again, under the NFA, they actually invest that in the governments. It doesn't invest them in, in the, the regulators, but Tasmania went down that path and now they've yanked the uh, exemption or, or the cover for collectors. What's your take on that? Um, well, the first thing I'll say to you is I don't think the consultation has been done properly on this bill. Um, the number of phone calls I've had from upset people that have got these firearms and even from people that don't have these firearms but do have other firearms and the issues that it's going to create for these people. Um, this is, again, like with the question before that you asked with me about consultation, community, having a community group that's set up to go and discuss these things and bring everyone together and find out a way forward instead of just bringing in laws in my opinion, that um, well, the police seem to be getting more and more powers. In my opinion, um, with going forward with this, and as I say, ninety-nine percent of people are honest citizens. You're talking about a small percentage that do do the wrong thing. Why punish the ninety-nine percent because of one percent? Um, it's. Yes, uh, and I get that, um, but as you know, there's a structural issue here about who actually is going to, who's actually being asked to m make decisions around property rights and the rights of ind individuals here. Is it government yeah. or is it actually being handled to the regulator, which is uh, my argument. Um, I think, and look, you know, there, there was a... Can, uh, can just say something there, Neil, we be saying about being handled to the regulator and all this sort of thing, we government. Um, this is something that myself as a politician is a very sore point, in my opinion. We have too many politicians that are very quick to handle the decision-making to public servants. And we're the elected members to make decisions. And when we get into Parliament, we should be making those decisions and setting that policy. And I don't think that there's a lot of politicians um, that I see and I talk to are prepared to make those decisions. And I think that people need to consider long and hard before they vote for people, whether they're capable of actually making a decision themselves and doing what they're meant to do as an elected representative. Public servants are there to carry out that policy and to bring that in after we set that, that policy for them around that. If you, did that explain to you? Yeah. That it is yeah. exactly my thoughts too. Uh, this is not about enforcing the law anymore. It's about who's responsible for policy. Correct. Yeah. And the public servants should not be setting policy. Public servants are meant to, um, how do you say, bring that policy to fruition after we set that guidelines for them. We should be, as politicians, 
making all of those decisions, and especially ministers, should be making those decisions, not a commissioner of the police, in my opinion. Yep. Okay, John, I'm mindful also you're about um, a few minutes away from your next commitment, so I think we'll have to leave it there. I, I might have to, I might see if we can come back later on uh, to talk uh, more, more about this. But so I think for now, John, um, I'll, I will leave it there and let you go. So look, thank you so much for your All time right. today. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Neil. Great to talk to you. All right then. That's all we have for this episode, and don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube or like us on Facebook, and we'll see you in our next episode.